And we're back. Welcome to Deep Thinking, the only motorcycle road racing podcast that does something or other that's really cool. He's Ed Sorbo from Lindemann Engineering. <laughs> you can find him on the web at le-suspension.com. Um, I'm Michael Gugis. You can find me on the web at motorbikeroadracing.com. And soon you'll be able to buy a sticker that says, you read my blog, you know who I am, life is all good. Ed. Got something. So you're gonna have all that on one sticker. I'm gonna have yeah. It's, it's gonna be. That's it's, like a bumper sticker from the early '80s. It's gonna be like a wrap. You're gonna have to wrap your bike. You're, you're gonna have to wrap <laughs> your bike. This is show number eighty-four, Michael. It is indeed. It is indeed uh, show number eighty-four. Ed, I saw the wor- the the most bizarre set of Danese um, leathers the other day when I was shooting at the track. You should have seen it. It, it seems like the seventy ones, seventies ones. And they've got the word Daneasy in this huge, expanding and then contracting kind of uh, font. It goes all the way up one leg, all the way up and across like the back. And it's just like, whoa, dude, 1972 called. And they don't want that back. Um, A lot of people bought those, uh, that, that suit, right? It was pretty popular. Partially because that was the leading edge of when you could easily get pretty damn good suits you know, out of a catalog, right? Mm. A shop could stock them. You didn't have to get custom. They had all the plastic padding and all the good stuff and the knee sliders. You know, they were state-of-the-art for the time. And there were only a couple of patterns, and, and that was one of them. But I always marveled that people would spend that much money to advertise that bigly for yeah. somebody else. Right? You know who's funny? But good on them. <laughs> you know who cracks me up? Jeff Stern. Jeff uh, bought a set of, uh, used to race in a set of, and I think they used to be like the AGV Sport pattern. He recently bought a new set that looks like he found them in a crate that had been sealed in 1992. It was freaking awesome. It's like, you paid good money to look like that, Jeff. Have you lost your mind? If Jeff is, <laughs> if Jeff, if you're listening to this, I'm really sorry. Please don't hurt me. Okay. You know, uh, people don't know how good they have it when they're racing. It used to be that when you went to buy a suit, right? You mm-hmm. tried to pick a suit that your buddies didn't have because when you went to the racetrack, there were 32 guys with the same suit because <laughs> there were only like eight different suits you could get easily. Right Now, there's lots and lots of manufacturers and you can you don't have to see yourself going the other way all the time. <laughs> and the announcer can pick you out of a crowd. We got a whole... That helps. We got a whole list of stuff we're going to go through. Uh, the uh, voice recorder seems to be working just fine this time, Ed. Um, and we're doing this by phone because we've both been traveling a lot and we've both got a lot of stuff that we need to do. Um, so, um, but fortunately for you, our loyal listeners, we didn't want to leave you in the cold. So we, I've got a list. We're going to work through it. Ed, what is number one on the list? So you know how you, a lot of people want to put a sticker on their helmet that has their blood type? Uh-huh. I know this isn't on your list. And of course, besides the fact that that's pointless, there's no doctor in the world who's going to just give you type whatever blood because there's a sticker on your helmet that says so, right? They're going to give you various things that are, you know, help out until they can test your blood and then give you blood of the correct kind that you need. But type O blood, it turns out, is not type O. It was meant to be type zero because that type of blood has no of these whatever things. I had a big, long scientific name I couldn't read. Okay. And, right, so the guy writing all this up, he wrote down type zero, and then somebody who was, like, turning the form into type written copy or whatever, 
changed it to type O, so that is technically a typo. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> oh, and the worst part is I didn't. I didn't. Hey, so let's see. First thing I on didn't your see list, it coming. Uh, Ashen, Rossi rules. Miller misses the point again. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, we're gonna disagree on the Miller thing. Uh, but let's start with the Ashen thing. I didn't. I don't recall a Rossi rule at Ashen this year. Um. The uh. The first. The first leg of the race. Um. His uh. Safety light wasn't on. Yeah. The the brake one. Um, yeah. That's that's uh, many. Uh, lots of people have been talking on the on the internet that um, said that basically um, that's a safety issue. You usually get black flag to bring that in and get it fixed. Um, and they didn't. They kind of didn't do that with Valentino because he's kind of Valentino. So I, I would grant to you that it's a safety issue and you're required to have the light on. But I would question the part about you get black flag for it. I mean. I'm sure it has happened, but I've never seen it happen at the world level. Mm, I've right? seen. I mean, I can't name somebody in a rain race in a MotoGP class that was like it's just never happened, right? Well, then again, how how many how many years have they, have they been doing this with requiring the red light? On? And then you know, it's only a, a handful of rain races. There's a real. I mean, you, there's a legitimate point as to whether or not um, it's ever come up before. But the fun, of course, the funny thing is that when it comes up in this circumstance with Valentino, there's no way of telling what you know the, what should be done because you don't have a regular rule book. You know, um, well, I've in seen. In this case, it was fortunate that the, the despite the amount of water, the, the the light level was high, and it appeared that you know at least from the TV you could see okay, and then they stopped the race when it was raining so hard that it was, you know, you had to stop it. So we got lucky on that one. I'll, I'll grant you that there have been many Rossi rules, but I don't know if this one goes all the way to that point. Like, I would I'd know, agree if, with if, you. If, if whoever the leader of the race is, do you really want to black flag him because that light came on? You know, exactly. Right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I kind of agree with you on that. It's hard to tell whether that one's a legit one or not. The race control in that one, you know? I have, I have seen... Um, cars in like 24 hour races well get, yeah right you, you call the guy in you make him fix it you get him back out it's a 24 hour race it's not well, the end of the world lots hold, of things but, can happen but, you hold, know? but hold on a second hold on it wasn't even for the tail lights they make you yeah. they make you light up they they, they um, have illuminated uh, number plates on the car now it's not yep. that you it's not that you're manually scoring these races anymore you know, you've got yeah, I, 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 like I said, I, I'm with you. There are Rossi rules, but your example here that some other organization, in this case cars, right. some other thing, right. in a totally different kind of racing at night, you know, uh, they are more strict about their light rules, right? right. Having, right. I, I've never been in a race where the other bikes had to have a tail light on them. I, and I've been in a fair number of rain races, and I've never had a problem telling that there's a bike in front of me, you know? <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't think it's that high on the threshold to be like, oh my God, we need to talk about this. Let's talk about Miller. Okay. Now, you think he's become a more mature human being? Uh, you, Yeah, the evidence is really strong. I mean, first of all, if you win a MotoGP bike race... You've got your shit together on multiple levels to pull that off, regardless of how many other people might have had a bad day or how difficult the situation. And yeah, it's a fact that Marquez 
doesn't see Miller as any kind of threat in the championship, so letting him go is no risk to him whatsoever. You know, that's, that kind of thing is frequently part of anybody's first win in any level of class, right? In the beginning, you're not a threat to some other guy, so they don't like you as much. Okay. They see you're having a good day. And then he, he backed that up by talking clearly and concisely and directly about his very reputation. He said in the interview afterwards that, you know, when he went to the front, he knew those other guys were thinking, yeah, that asshole's going to chuck you down the road in a few minutes. You know, don't worry about him. The fact that he's self-aware to know that, that he has these issues means he's been working on them and trying to fix them. And you can't disagree that winning a MotoGP race is a pretty good indication you're going in the right direction. Watch, Your rebuttal, sir. Watch me disagree. Um, yeah. No, I, he, the, the quote that you heard from Miller over and over again was, uh, I guess this proves that I, I haven't forgotten how to ride a motorbike or I still know how to ride a motorbike or whatever, right? Nobody. Yeah, he said, he said twice. It proves that I know how to ride well, a motorcycle and I'm not an idiot. Nobody ever argued that he couldn't ride a motorcycle. The idiocy. Well, nobody that you and I heard, right? Just, he is going to have heard all the ridiculous stuff that the internet trolls right. had to say, right? Like you and me, we're like, look, don't take the guy seriously until he stops doing wheelies out of the pits because that shows, blah, blah, like we, we were pretty specific about it. We think it's stupid to say jackass on your leathers, yeah, yeah. But you can be sure that there's plenty of other people who are just tearing into him and they can't even freaking ride. I think he was speaking to them because you know, let's face it, that's, that's hurtful stuff. It, it is. On the other hand, your job as a motorcycle road racer is professional, is to get paid. You get paid not just to win races. There are lots of people who can ride a motorbike, Ed. You get paid to represent large international corporations. For I the, agree with you, but Honda, for some reason, thinks that he's representing them well enough. I think they gave him an extraordinary opportunity. You know what? I think I think they pay him just a little bit of money and they just buried him on a satellite bike. You know? In yeah, case but why? I mean why? Okay, yeah, sure you can get him for a lot cheaper than you can get Lorenzo, but what is the point? I mean it, they've only got so many seats. Oh well, they're, presumably the, they're going to give it to the best guy they can. Yeah, the point. The point's really the, the point is actually really simple. Number one, you tie him up for three years um, in case he blossoms and suddenly starts to develop Rossi-like qualities. On of you know, great, you've got him under contract. If he's just really, really good but not there, then you've also kept him from being on one of your opponent's bikes as well. And Dorna wanted an Australian in the series because they're trying to sell television rights in Australia. That's all well documented. So that's all there. Um, you, I, like I said, you can't argue with the guy's talent, but you can argue. I, I still don't see the level of maturity that's there. And here's the part that's really sad, Ed. Okay, this is the part that I was looking at. I just saw a picture of it the other day. And to me, it was really it's unfortunate. Here he is on the podium or in the paddock he's just won his first and maybe his only MotoGP race ever right he's holding up like the trophy and his helmet and right next to his head all the sponsor logo is the big word jackass and you couldn't see that you couldn't see that moment coming dude I'll, I'll give you the name of a kid racer Daniel Castillo Castilla sorry who's who acts more grown up than Miller does. And Daniel is 16. You know? Well, Dan Daniel is really 
talented and very mature. Yeah. And very focused and really easy to work with. Yeah. And we had a great weekend uh, at Miller, and mm-hmm. we're going to be at Laguna next weekend in the KTM class. Right. And and I would agree. If you said, Ed, would you like to work with Jack Miller or Daniel Costella? I would say Costella. All I'm saying is that Miller did a good job. He did a good and job. And he is clearly learning. And this will be this is a stepping stone this is a turning point he will want more of this and he will work harder and i agree with you about the jackass logo on the leathers just like i agree with the um maniac logo any other logo <laughs> like that uh, at that level but there is no one in the world who is going to change their logo during the season so i look to both of those logos to disappear for next season but they're just not going to do it. You know, I'm actually... That is too much of a face wash. I'm actually told, I'm actually told that the word maniac is the English translation of another word that doesn't actually mean crazy. Well, yeah. And and, and I I guarantee you the same kind of thing is in in Jack's nickname, Jackass. There's a backstory that it doesn't just mean I'm a jackass, right? His name is Jack. You know, there, there's exactly it, right. But you got to be. It, it, it's the same language. It's English, but got in Australia, there's a lot of different slang and whatnot. Gotta be. So you gotta be. Gotta it's be. something that I'm sure is funny and it's insightful and it's in depth to me. And it just lost something in translation. Yeah. At this level. Yeah. Full on full. the world stage, they they're gonna have to change that stuff. Yep. You got You got to act like an adult. Yeah. You know, um. Or you get fired. You really do. You know. No matter how talented you are. Um, it was nice to hear you say the good things about Daniel. I like that kid a lot. And, and, you know, every time I talk to him, I'm like, God, I wish I was this level-headed, you know? Um, you got a ways to go, man. Right, no um, kidding. It's, it's easy to say nice things about Daniel. He, he's, you know, he's got all the skills. And the most important one is his willingness to learn and his desire to learn. So, you know, we went testing. Uh, before we went up to Miller, we borrowed a bike so we could practice our communication skills so we could get the right ground running when we got there. Right. And I watched him, you know, we were on a go-kart track, so it's really easy to see up close. And I saw him doing something that I wanted. I wanted to try something else. And so I explained what I wanted him to try. And then he went out and, and tried it right away. And, of course, nobody does a new thing perfect on the first try. Right. Uh, but, you know, he did it. And then he kept doing it and got better and better at it as throughout the process. And then he had that skill, uh, you know, not fully developed yet. Of course, this is one of those things that you work on your whole life. Uh, but he used it at Miller uh, and it helped. And, you know, the other side of that is I, I talked to a, a, a guy on the team that I know and he's got a rider with the same kind of thing and they're talking to him about, you know, trying some different stuff. And so after, you know, when they ask him, hey, did you try it? He goes, no, nah, I didn't try that. That's silly. Like, <laughs> you, know, you don't even try it. How do you write it? It's a classic green eggs and ham thing. So it's a, it's a good contrast uh, well, right there. What was that last uh, bit there? The green, green eggs and ham thing? Yeah, like if you don't even try it, how do you know it's oh, good or not? I got it. I got it. That may, You know, that makes sense to an extent. Um, I knew you were going to say that because you were totally the kind of person who's like, dude, that's crazy. I don't want to do that. I am. What you're going to do is go out there and go half speed and give it a try. No, now that, that, okay. makes, that makes Maybe sense. Maybe if I gave you a fox in a box and put it on the train, you would try it. Scott Adams said that his parents tried to get his brother once to eat food 
and said, if you don't try it, how do you know you won't like it? And the kid who was 12 apparently said to his dad, hey, how about I go out in the backyard, grab a frozen turd and have you lick it? If you haven't tried it, you don't know you don't like it, right? <laughs> yeah, kids always lose that argument, but there is yeah, exactly. I, I would have, so next on the list, I would have woken up three um, weeks later. Rules, uh, Dorna bans winglets. I just got a huge favor. How to get around Moto three rules with development agreements? Yes. Go. Okay. Um, number one, I think uh, everybody. Uh, what was I going to say? The manufacturers couldn't agree on rules for the winglets, so the issue then goes back to the Grand Prix Commission, who unanimously. Um, voted to ban them. But I think they did Ducati a favor. And and here's why. I think that they were getting so wrapped up in that track of development that they were they were losing their focus on how to build a good uh, road racing motorcycle. And it's I think they're on hold until they get Lorenzo next year. I I, I think you might be <laughs> you might be right on that. Okay. I I agree with you on the winglets thing could could cause a diversion of resources mm -hmm. that takes you away from you know. And while I love the technical intrigue of something as complex as wings and aerodynamics and such, it's also clear that those are never going to be on street bikes. And so it's kind of pointless. Right? If, if two strokes went away because we don't have two stroke street bikes, then right. it seems illogical to have wings, um, you know, on motorcycles. So I think I, I think they might I think they might have actually done Ducati a favor. They might have just said, "Look, you guys, quit quit wasting your time there." And then, well, they're allowed to use them for the rest of this year. So right. if they've lost their mind and they're going too hard on wings, they're going to keep doing it for the rest of the season. Uh, maybe. You know, at least at the very at the very least, they know you know that that path of development is is over. So you're going to have to focus on something else. And so I think well, you know. But Honda knew they were going to have to learn to use the standard uh, software this year, and they didn't test with it very they, much last year at yeah. all to try to learn how to use the system. And now they're struggling. So yep. your logic makes sense, but then doesn't always apply to the real world. There. It, 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 you have to look at it into the context of the way Honda goes racing. Racing is merely an ancillary to Honda's bigger plans for yeah, well, world they're, domination. They're racing this year, and they would prefer to be doing better than they are. It, Although they are leading the championship. Isn't that freaking crazy? Dude, who would have thought we would have seen a race where Rossi crashes out, Lorenzo finishes 10th, and Marquez strokes at home the second? Right? I mean, you know, it's... Well, when, when, when you say, if you said to anybody, right, hey, listen, it's going to rain so hard, they have to stop the race in the middle, and no riders are going to complain, right? That's how hard it's raining, right? <laughs> and anybody with experience would go, oh, fuck, put your money on, on Miller, you never know, anything can happen in these <laughs> situations. By the way, it was a thousand to one odds on Miller before the race. <laughs> yeah, man, oh man. I'll bet and you know why it was a thousand to one odds? Because nobody was gonna pay take nobody was gonna give away the dollar. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, right? I mean, if you, if with the depth of the field that we have, right, and, and one of the aliens always wins, you're, you'd be crazy to, to bet on a guy with a satellite team who's did you have any to... bad results or whatnot. By the so way, did... what's, the, what's the Moto3 development agreement? Hold on, hold on a second. Did you actually read my um, my website article on uh, Factory Dreams and Satellite Fantasies? I did. 
Yeah, and it's it's kind of six of one, half a dozen of the other. You know, as far as do you want to be on a Suzuki or do you want to be on the uh, the uh, satellite Yamaha? I mean, it's like, you know, when, when one's gone six years without a win and the other's gone ten years without a win, it's kind of like, you know, throw a dart, right? So here's how you yep. get here's how you get around the rules. By the way, where are we on time? We're at twenty minutes and five seconds. So cool. we're gonna listen to your thing about Moto three and then I'm gonna hit us with a two minute board and then we're good. I got a two minute board too. Okay, save it. What's save your thing it. about Moto three? <laughs> the um right now, um you're supposed to um uh all all the Moto three manufacturers are supposed to, by the rules, agree to supply everybody with the same bike and the same spec of engine all at the same time. This supposed this is supposed to tighten up the front of the field, okay? So um, so you know you don't have factory and satellite teams anymore. You didn't have you no longer have um, what you call it the uh, the agreements that you could purchase the specifications and settings and all that you know for the bike from the factory. All that stuff has got to be equal, right? So how do you get around that? Here's what I heard that one of the factories did. One of the factories does now is if you want to purchase their bike, you have to sign an agreement that allows them to develop the machine. And by developing the machine, they designate a test team. And they're just the development team. It just happens to be the team that gets all the really cool parts first. And that's somehow legal. You know, you just can't, you can't force people to give away information. You can't force people to treat every team equally. It just doesn't work. It never does. It's unenforceable. Go. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's the whole thing. And I just thought it was, I thought it was just like, you know, why are you even trying to do this? Why We tried to do this with the spec software this year, right? And MotoGP. Okay, everybody's got the same software. Well, look who's winning all the races, the same two factories, right? Even the guys who didn't even, apparently didn't even open the manual for the spec software um, until the beginning of the year, you know, they've got two wins and they're leading the championship. <laughs> so is your argument they should just have absolutely no rules at all and don't try to control costs or you know, make the field deeper or anything. There are ways. I mean, there they are ways. saying that what they tried to do didn't work, and therefore it's pointless. But I'm saying, not pointless. You I'm saying, try. I'm saying that there are limits to how far you can go. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, and I think this. Hey, this... okay. So two minute board. You ready? Oh, dear God. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so this coming weekend, Laguna, yes, Moto America, yes, uh, sharing with World Superbike, yes. There are sponsorship opportunities available for all of our listeners. The rider's name is Daniel Costello. He's a Road Racing World wildcard. He's sponsored by Road Racing World and Fast Track, Arai, and Cycle Gear, and others. I am the crew chief, not fully up to speed on all the stuff. And you could be one. All you got to do is contact me, and I'll get you into contact with him. Or if you already know Daniel, he's on Facebook. You can reach him easy. He's Michael Gouges. He's Ed Sorbo. Aloha. Aloha. 